0: God you are holy God you are holy you are holy you are holy the earth is filled with your glory you are holy and you live on high your name Jehovah is holy 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 is the Lord God almighty Father, I pray that in this moment that we would be drawn away from ourselves. That you draw us away from the concerns and the worries and the pains and the life that we walked in here drenched in. And for a moment, you would allow us to both see Experience how holy you are. You are so you're so different than us. We have no worth or merit that can even begin to approach you. And yet, because of your mercy and your grace, you made a way. You are holy. And I thank you for the opportunity that you've given us in this moment to be reminded of who you are. Amen. Let me ask you this question. How long do you have to wait on something uh, until you believe something's wrong? How, how long do you have to, to wait until you start thinking something's, something's wrong here? Have any of you been in front of a computer and just saw the little wheel turning? How long do you have to wait till you start thinking, well, something's wrong? You know, in this, in this time when we can't, except in the ranchos, go in and eat somewhere, you're going through a drive through in Fresno and, and nobody comes over the speaker to ask what you want. How long do you sit there and wait till you think, yeah, something's wrong? Any of you Amazon Prime members, when you order next day delivery and at day three it's still not there, how long do you wait until you figure something ain't right here? I need to tell you something, that no matter what you see, no matter what you hear, Christmas ain't canceled, ain't nothing wrong. Christmas means literally that God is up to something good. No matter what you see and what you hear, God is up to something good. Christmas literally is God with us. When the announcement came that Jesus would be born, they said, you will call his name Emmanuel, which means literally God with us. So Christmas means that God is with us. Christmas itself is the result of the fact that God is up to something good. And Christmas is also the result of waiting for something good. I'm going to share with you three things about what Christmas means today. Christmas means that God will fulfill all his promises. Even if you got to wait, ain't nothing wrong. He will fulfill all his promises. God had been saying for centuries that he was up to something. He had been saying for centuries that he was up to something good, that the Messiah, Christ, would be born. There are over 300, well, 300 prophecies prior to the birth of Christ that the Christ was on his way. He was up to something good. He was about the business of fulfilling his promises. There's over 300 prophecies well over that the devil wasn't going to win, that God was going to be amongst us, that Jesus was coming. Though people had to wait, though there was a delay, he was still up to something good and he was going to fulfill all his promises. Go way back to the beginning. Genesis 3. Way back. Genesis 3:15 says this. It says God in the garden of Eden talking to the devil. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He's talking to the devil in the form of a serpent. And he says to the devil, I'm putting enmity between you and a woman, between your seed, devil, and her seed. Now, go back to biology class. When a husband and wife love each other very, very much, want to show each other the extent of their love. And they make a baby. Who brings the seed to that equation? The girl or the boy? The man or the woman? The husband or the wife? Who? The husband brings the seed, right? We're all tracking. If this is new information, let us know. That may explain some things. Okay. But God is talking to the devil about the woman, and God says, between your seed, devil, and her seed. Was God confused? Did he not understand the biology that he just made a couple of days prior? Why did he say her seed? Who brings the seed? The man does. Was God confused? No, here's this was a prophecy. About the Messiah. Because this Christ child will not bear the seed, it would come from the seed of Joseph, and would come from the seed of heaven as God Himself. And so the seed would come from God through her. God been promising a long time that Christmas was coming. It ain't never canceled. Christmas means that God will fulfill all of his promises. God has been making promises from day one. How they say it now? From jump? I did my research. That's how it's said now. From day one. And here's the thing. God doesn't make idle promises. I want you you to get this. You, You need to get this right so you can tweet it. What God has written in his word, he will reveal in your life. You need to understand that Christmas isn't canceled. God is up to something good. You need to get this in every season of your life. God is preparing to fulfill another promise. Christmas ain't canceled. He's up to something good in every season understand in every season of your life he's just simply preparing to fulfill another promise whatever that season you're in right now if it's a hard season he's simply preparing to fulfill another promise in your life it's if a painful season he's simply preparing to fulfill another promise in your life if it's a good season he's still preparing to fulfill another promise in your life if it's a difficult season he's still preparing to prepare another promise. you understand what i'm saying God is always at work in the right now, even if he doesn't do it right now. Do you understand? And here's the problem. We think because we can't see him doing it right now, he's not doing it right now. You understand? See, our problem is not necessarily a question of can God. Most people would say, well, yeah, God, if there's a God, God could. He can. I don't know if he will, but he can. Most people's problem is not the question of will God, because they figure, and sometimes wrongly so, if I just do the right things long enough, God's going to do something. So it's, our problem's not necessarily can God or will God. Our problem is when, God. Do you understand? Let me just stop right here. Because I feel like already this had been a good service and this is a good message. Uh, And I was a little depressed last weekend at the lack of uh, response I got from you. Uh, And so don't make me have another bad Sunday night. You understand what I'm saying? I get some good stuff right here. So at at least do me a favor. At least act like it's good. You lie to people all the time. You lie to your spouse every day. So just at least lie to me a little bit. And say that was good right there. That's some good stuff. This is good. Our problem is not believing can God. Our problem is not believing will God. Our problem, more often than not, is when God, God. When will you give me? God, when will you fix my, God, when will you intervene in, God, when will you heal, God, when will you step in and you fill in the blank? God, I can handle not knowing for a little while, but if you put me on, lead, on, on read for, for too long and not tell me when you're going to respond, I don't have a problem with that. Like this whole pandemic thing, let me tell you what's so hard about this pandemic thing is there's no end date. That's the problem with it. Here's the thing. We just want to know when. When can we go back to eating inside a restaurant? When can I not have to feel shame about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? When can I, when can I, when can I, and most importantly of all, when can we get back to playing football? That's what we (laughs) need to know. Like, if you would have told me in March... Carl, you're not going to be able to coach those boys and play football until January. I said, all right, that's fine. I can deal with that. We'll make plans. But here's the problem. They said in March, it'll be a while. And then in August, they said it'll be a little bit longer. And then in October, they said it'll be a little bit longer. Then in December, they said maybe January. Who knows when now? Right? That's the problem. And this is what we run into with God all the time. God, if you just let me know when, I can handle most things for a while. If you just let me know when ahead of time. See, the difficult thing for us is when we're in those win times, until we see God's win, we don't believe he will. Right? This is one of those times that was really good. That would be great. Say, yeah, that was good. Rob, Rob give me a little, like, say, hey, that's all right, Carl. That wasn't any good? I got more for you. I'll come at you now. I didn't, I didn't leave, so. You didn't hear me?
1: I said I didn't leave.
0: So. You didn't leave. Okay, well, there you go. Michael W. Smith wrote this song. And if you listen to Christian radio, uh, it's a song called Waymaker. And it addresses this very thing. And so I asked the band to play a version for it, of it for us. Because I want to drive home the point, this point, that even when we can't see him working, he's still working. That even when we don't see him doing something, he's still doing something. That even when you don't see him, you don't feel him, you don't hear him, you don't sense him, that he is a way maker still making a way. That though you don't see it and can't perceive it, that he is still up to something good. Why? Because he is the way maker and he is currently in your life making a way. Do you understand?
2: I worship You. I worship You. You are here, You're working in this place. I worship You. I worship You. You are, You are, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my. Who
1: you are, you you
2: are weight maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you, I worship you. You are here in your turning life around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here and man in every heart. I worship you. Even when I don't feel it you're moving,
1: you never stop, you never stop working. No, you never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it you're working. Even when I don't feel it you're working, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop.
0: You are holy. You are the way maker. And I thank you for a moment that we get to stop and slow down. And realize that you have said some profound things in your word. And that you are active and alert watching after your word to perform it all. And there are things in our lives that that we have to know by faith that you are active and that you're working and that you are in the process of fulfilling your word to us. Thank you that you are a way maker. Thank you that you are a miracle worker. Thank you that you are a light in the darkness. Thank you that you keep all your promises. You don't make them in vain. Thank you that Christmas is the proof that you're up to some good. Again, Father, in this moment, draw us away from ourselves and draw us into you. In your name I pray, amen. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. This was the fulfillment of God's many centuries old promises. Not only does Christmas mean that God will fulfill all his promises, Christmas means that God is always up to something good. He is always up to something good. Because God is always at work fulfilling his promises, it means that God is always at work for something good because all his promises, guess what? Are good. While this is going on in Mary's life, this angel comes, Mary's going to have a baby, he calls his name Jesus. Well, all that's going on in Mary's life. God had already been up to something really good six months prior in her cousin's Elizabeth's life. So this is brand new information for Mary. This is a brand new experience of God for Mary. But that same God had already been up to something really good six months prior, unbeknownst to Mary. See, we see in the Bible, in Luke chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron of a priestly line. Both of them were righteous in the inside of God, observing all the Lord's commands and blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both, what's the Bible say? Very old. Now, here's the problem. These people are incredibly righteous, incredibly good, righteous in all the commands of God, not messing up at all. These two are a lot better than you and me. I know me and I know you, and they were a lot better than us. And the problem with these good people is they couldn't have a baby. Can anybody ever ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? You've asked that question, haven't you? These are good people. They were righteous but barren. God was at work doing something good, unbeknownst to everybody around. The Bible also says, then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zachariah standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Please don't ever think that angels are little fat babies playing harps with wings on their back. They are frightful and terrifying uh, but the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you were to call him John. That's a great promise, and it's a promise that God had already been up to something not just good, but really good. Uh, Zechariah, I know you're old. I know you feel cold, but I'm up to something good. Just bear with me a minute. And then the Bible says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this angel that my wife's going to have a baby? Because I'm an old man, and my wife is what? that's a very polite way of saying my wife is old. Now, understand something. He didn't say this in in front of his wife. Men, pay attention. There are some things you can talk to God about your wife that you don't talk to her about. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll keep it in confidence. So he's like, look, God, this would be fantastic but my wife is old, and I'm done cold. He's <laughs> saying, like, it's not going to happen anymore. Believe me, I've tried, and there ain't no such thing as Jewish Viagra yet, and so there's nothing is happening. She's old, I'm cold, ain't nothing going down. you understand? She, at that point in her life, was past that little word that we don't often talk about that women go through called menopause. Not only was she old, she was incapable. Even if she was capable, he was not. But guess what? God was up to something. Return this time of uh, when his time of service was completed, Zechariah returned home. After This, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion. The Lord had done this for me, she said. So what happened was, though she was old and though he was cold, God was up to something and they did a little something, something, and all of a sudden she shows up pregnant. you understand? And for five months she was in seclusion. Why? Why don't women tell people they're pregnant? early on. Because there's fear involved. Right? You don't want to say something too soon. Because if you say something too soon, maybe you get too excited. And what if, those of you who have been through that know, the pain of loss. And so in a moment, she's like saying, look, I want to believe it. And I think I can believe it. But I'm just not sure that God really is up to something good. And so she waits. Five months. After that had happened, after that six months, is when the angel comes to Mary and tells Mary, by the way, you're going to have a baby also. At that time, Mary got ready after hearing that she was also gonna have a baby, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then she went back home. Why did God take Mary to Elizabeth's house to see Elizabeth? What was the point of that? They had plenty of other midwives. Get used to hearing this. Elizabeth was part of Mary's huddle. And God knows how much we need people in our huddle. See, Elizabeth's story was partly for Mary's sake, because when God came to Mary and said, I'm going to do something in your life that's going to blow your mind, Mary had no framework to understand that other than a word, a hidden word in secret. What she needed was a visible life in her presence so that she would believe that, yes, indeed, I've seen God do it in you, and I know God can do it in me. See, Mary's story, Elizabeth's story was in part for Mary's sake. So Mary could see, not just hear, that yes, God is able. Yes, that God is capable. Yes, that God is always on time, even when he looks like he's late. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for how long? How? Three months. How pregnant, how far along was Elizabeth when Mary showed up? Six months. Why did Mary stay three months so she could be there when the baby was born because there's something in us that God realizes oftentimes enough that we need to see God's work in someone else's life so we can still believe that he's at work in my life you understand? Sometimes we just need a visible reminder. God did it in you. I believe he can do it in me. I can hear all the stories I want to. But when I got a Jeff that I see God working in and what he's done in his life, I think maybe he can do it in me. When I see an Elizabeth walking around, the Mary in me says, yeah. You understand? Elizabeth went in a long time. Elizabeth was the answer to Mary's "When"? Here's what I know. This is how good God is. When you find it hard to believe what you've heard, God will set up a scenario so you can see what he said. When you find it hard to believe what, God, what you've heard from God, he'll set up a scenario so you can see what he said. And here's the thing, sometimes we just need to be around other Elizabeths so we can be reminded of what God is currently doing, to remind us of who God is, to remind us of what God does. And this is one reason why we've got to be in church. And I understand there's many good reasons not to be physically here in person, at least be online, at least be virtually. But this is one of the things that is so important to understand that we need to be around Elizabeth's. So be reminded of what God can do. See, some of you in this place are Mary's, and some of you in this place are Elizabeth's. Some of you have an Elizabeth story. You've been waiting your whole life. You've been waiting longer than what you ever thought you would have to wait. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting with no real guarantee. And finally God has showed up and done something in you. Some of you are Elizabeth's. And here's what I know. If you have an Elizabeth story, you need to shout your things like we talked about last week. And you also need to tell your story. Why? Because there are some Marys who need to see your life. Do you understand this? Some of you are Elizabeth's who have kids who have, in their growing up have gotten stuck. Stupid and have walked away from you, have walked away from God, have walked away from morality, have walked away from their identity of who they were born to be in Christ, and they've gotten, and some have had those kids come back. You're an Elizabeth for some parent right now who is going through hell raising her own kid who's getting stupid. Do you understand? Some of you are Elizabeths who have a story of a marriage that absolutely has fallen apart and yet you hung in there and you got right with God and, and through that, this, and your marriage has been put back together. Do you know how many of those Elizabeths and those Marys need to be hooked up together so that you'll know it's possible? If you have got Elizabeth's story, You need to shout your thanks and tell your story because there are some Marys in your huddle who are questioning. If you got Elizabeth's story, you have some Marys in your huddle who are questioning, who are doubting, who are scared, who are wondering, who are thinking about walking away. And this is why I want to teach you on Thursday night on how to tell his story in a way that fits your life. Because you need to know how to do this if you have a relationship with Jesus and you've got an Elizabeth story. Every one of you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, has an Elizabeth story. I teach this to pastors young and old. Um, The difference between church people being a Pharisee and being a disciple. Pharisees were people in Jesus' day that studied the word and that loved telling people how to live. And they're really religious. And they were always fighting with Jesus because they didn't understand him. They're real good religious people, understood the word, told people how to live, but they never led anybody to the Messiah, to Jesus. There's a difference between Pharisees and disciples Disciples, like the Pharisees, studied the word. Disciples, like the Pharisees, told people how to live. The disciples, like Pharisees, were religious. The difference is that disciples introduced people to Jesus. And so, church people, are you a Pharisee? Are you a disciple? You study the word? Good person? Tell rotten people how to be better? When was the last time you led someone to Christ? You a Pharisee? Or a disciple? What I found is many people in church would love to be a disciple. They just don't know how. So will you let me teach you? Mary's need Elizabeth's. Do you ever wonder why you go through delays in life? Do you ever wonder why you go through pain in life? Do you ever wonder why you got some difficulties in life? I'm gonna tell you why because God is making Elizabeth's out of you. You need an Elizabeth story. And so, God will line up delays and difficulties and pains and hardships so you will realize that He is always at work. And as He moves in your life, you'll have an Elizabeth story to tell a Mary because Mary's need to be around Elizabeth and they need to hear Elizabeth's stories. Your pain has a purpose, your problem has a purpose, your difficulty has a purpose, your struggle has a purpose, your weight has a purpose. Do you understand? Can I give you one more thing about what Christmas is? Is that right? Christmas means God's plans don't need my permission. Christmas means God's plans don't need your permission. This was not the best time for Mary to show up pregnant. This was not a good time. I mean, couldn't God have waited till a more opportune time? Until it made sense. Now, think about it. Elizabeth, this old lady with an old man, gets a miraculous gift from God and is pregnant. That story starts being told, and all of a sudden, people are talking. And what do you think they're saying? That's awesome. That's fantastic. Boy or girl, who knows? I mean, let's have a reveal a pink camel or a blue camel. We're not sure, but this is going to be great. And then six months later, Mary shows up with her own miraculous pregnancy story. And everybody starts talking. Can you imagine social media being around back then? (laughs) See, when God is going to do something super special, it doesn't mean it's going to be to your personal schedule. Oftentimes, God's good that he is up to comes after our waiting and after our stressing and after our wondering and after late nights and early mornings of prayer and fasting. But the fact is God is always up to something good. Now think about it from Joseph's perspective, this poor guy. Mary gets visited by an angel. Joseph don't know anything about that. All of a sudden, Mary says, look, I know we're engaged, but I'm going to go visit my cousin for a little while. So she's gone three months. Joseph doesn't know why. All he knows, we got engaged and you left. And then she comes back after three months showing up pregnant after visiting her cousin's house. What do you think going through Joseph's mind? Get your cousin on the phone. I need to talk to that woman. Right? God, you could have done it differently. You could have given Elizabeth this baby when she was 20, when she was young and had good knees and could follow that little guy around the little house all all over the place. You could have done it differently so Mary didn't have to look like one of them loose little girls. You could have done it differently. But guess what? God doesn't need our permission. God doesn't ask our permission to carry out his plans because he wants us to trust his heart. He wants us to realize, God, you love me. I know you're at work. God, you love me. I know you're going to do what you said. God, you love me. I give you permission to do what you want, when you want, because I know you love me. See, God is love. Come up here, band. God is love. And one of his names is Jehovah Nissi, Our banner, and the Bible says his banner over us is love. And so what God has done for those with a relationship with God through faith in Jesus has put a covering of love over your life. Did you know that Jesus came to earth because of God's love? Because he loved you that much? Did you know that God's love caused his son to die on the cross for our Sin? Did you know that if God's love wouldn't spare his own son for you, he won't spare any good thing? Did you know that? If you know that, and if you believe that, you can then avail yourself to this incredible love of a waymaker. And when the delays of life come, you can hold on to the fact that God accomplishes everything he said, that he's always up to something good, and even if it's not according to your schedule, it's perfect. This is what Christmas means. If you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus... God is with you and God is up to something good. Now, I know 2020 has been rough for a lot of people. I understand that. But even in 2020, guess what? God is up to something good. Here's the caveat to this whole thing. Please understand this. Romans 8:28 says God works up to something good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So my question this morning is this. Do you want God to work something good in your life? You got the choice. You can say, no, God, much rather handle on my own. I do a much better job than you do. That's your choice. And he's a gentleman. He'll let you do that. Or you can say, God, I would love to experience you working something good out of the mess that I made. See, God doesn't work something good out for everybody. Romans 8, 28 says for those who love him. I'm not called according to his purpose. So if you want God to work something good for your life, something special, first, give him complete control of your life. Get your hands off it. Secondly, find your identity, who you are, in your relationship with him. So the question remains, do you want God to work something good out for your life? I want you to pray with me. And I'm going to ask you all to pray the same prayer if you want to. Whether this is the first time that you're saying, I'm going to let him have control, or maybe it's one of those things where you say, you know what? This is just a spiritual discipline I need to do again. I'm going to give you a chance right now. In the quietness of your own heart between you and God, who understands the thoughts and intentions and meditations of our heart? To say, God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that your love for me is a holy love. Thank you that it is pure and perfect and not contingent upon what I do. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth and died on the cross for my sin. I'm sorry for how I've broken your commands, your will, and your law. Please forgive me. I invite you right now to be the leader of my life. I invite you right now into my world. And I will trust that you are up to something good, even if I don't see it. And I will trust that your ways are perfect and holy, even if your ways are different than my plans. Tell them, say, God, help me to love you more. Now let me pray. Father, thank you that you've heard your people Praying and crying out to you. Thank you that you have made a way where there has been no way. We don't deserve the right to come before you, yet in your holiness, you've made a way as our way maker to make our way to you where we find mercy and grace for our time of need. And so in our time of need, in this moment, Father, We trust that you will fulfill all your word, that you are truly up to something good, and we submit ourselves and our plans and our lives and our families and our relationships and our hopes and our dreams to your plan and your holiness because you are holy. Now in this time, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to do exactly what you said You would do and move in our midst and heal in our midst and do something significantly grand because we worship you. Amen.